0: Novel Magics by Michael K. Austis. Chapter 6 Good Doctor. Dr. Hope Clarkson stood in the center of the sterile room, an insect pinned under glass. The room's white concrete walls looked less like those of a laboratory than like those of a bunker or an asylum. A table straight out of every high school science classroom stood in front of her, several apparently random objects resting on its slate-topped surface. One was a run-of-the-mill baseball. Another was a potted plant, its singular broad, flat-leaf browning and bending the stem under its weight. A pile of cables and wires haphazardly placed around the circuit board made up the third of many such objects. At the center of them, unassuming but immediately eye-catching, was something that looked like a tome. Hope ran a hand over the object's cover, its brown leather binding smooth against the calloused warped skin of her palm. She couldn't help but smile at her creation, the first of its kind. A voice called out from behind her, Dr. Clarkson, excuse me. She recognized the voice immediately. It was her assistant, Sarah. Hope hadn't heard the young woman enter the room, her soft shoes making her footsteps almost inaudible over the padded floor. In one hand she held an innocuous white envelope. In the other was a slim black rectangle, its glassy surface no thicker than a fingernail. It was not quite like a computer, a device left over from before the Inferno days. Where Sarah had gotten it, how she had afforded it, and how she had managed to keep it working over the past three years was one giant mystery Hope wanted never to discover the answer to. Sarah, Hope said, some of the joy seeping out of her as she turned to face her assistant, is everything ready? Yes, Doctor, Sarah replied. Hope immediately noticed the hard set of Sarah's jaw, the tension in the way she held herself, as though waiting to jump out of the way of an oncoming vehicle. Hope had seen the same expressions on mechanical bullfighters moments before the machine gored them. So, what's the problem? Hope asked. Her words were light, but the expression on her face had changed like the dropping of a mask. Well, to start, Ethics and Oversight sent us another love letter, Sarah began, but Hope cut her off, waving her hand as though trying to brush aside a gnat. And they will keep sending them. I told you, throw all that away. Sarah visibly flinched at that last part. Yes, you said that, and yes, I have been. "'But this one,' Sarah said, holding the letter out for Hope to see. "'This one couldn't be thrown away.' "'Why the hell not?' Hope asked, not even looking at the letter, "'her eyes boring into Sarah like diamond-tipped drills. "'One of the Adarack twins handed,' Sarah said, shuddering a little at the memory, "'handed it right to me. Today.' Fifteen minutes ago, in fact. Hope felt the blood drain from her face as about eight different alarm bells went off full tilt in her head. You mean he's fucking here, in this facility? Clarkson asked, her voice tight. I mean he's here in this lab, Sarah responded. He's in the observation room right now. Hope snatched the letter out of her hand tearing it open and reading the contents. There, on the paper with the official Adorac Oversight and Ethics Committee watermark, was a simple, handwritten note. The script was large and spidery, but even with the unnecessary lines and loops, it was easy to make out the words, We need to talk. That was all it had said. Hope flipped the paper over, looking on the back for, well, anything else, but there was nothing. A distant, cynical part of her mind appreciated the fact that even taking the time to use a computer and printer was below the effort of one of the Atarak twins. The other, far more practical and terrified side of her mind was calculating the odds of survival if she were to bolt for the door right then and there. Well, Hope said, looking up from the letter into Sarah's concerned face, well, shit. As usual, the observation room was doing its best to impersonate the after-effects of a middling earthquake. Crooked desks practically shaking under piles of paper that slanted under their own weight, Dozens of graphs and diagrams of tomes covering the walls on gray-green paper like lichen on a rock wall. Hope couldn't help but feel a wince of embarrassment as she saw him standing in the center of the room. The Adirak's tall, rail-thin frame was a dark skyscraper over the desolate landscape of the observation room. He was part of the scene and yet, separated as though by a glass wall. Hope felt her breath catch just for a minute as she saw his face. There wasn't anything wrong with it, per se. Had you asked her to point out the specific problem, she wouldn't have been able to tell you. But the whole of it was wrong. Yes, each individual feature of the Atarak's face looked fine on its own, but the way They came together when Hope tried to look him in the eyes. Well, it was an M.C. Escher painting. Hope shuddered, an animal reaction, the automatic flinching of the lizard brain to something that did not make sense and probably was better off that way. I see that you have been busy, the Adorak said in a voice too raspy to understand. It brought to Hope's mind the image of a dry bowstring dragging and slapping across an upright base. He took a step back, and the one table without papers on it came into view. Three monitors took up all available space on the desk, their screens divided into several small partitions, each showing the main testing chamber in a different wavelength. I took the liberty of getting the equipment ready for you. I assumed that you would not mind. Since I paid for it, hung in the air, unspoken but understood by everyone in the room. The Atarak twins were not just wealthy. They made the wealthy look like kids playing dress-up in their parents' clothes. Their vast sphere of influence was rumored to have spread into the other cities on the continent as well. but. Hope doubted this very much. The city was separated from its closest neighbor by a radioactive lake, not to mention the miles of desolate, partially flooded wasteland that stretched beyond it. That fact did not do much to take away from the reputation of the Adoracs in Hope's eyes, however, since she knew firsthand how much power they really had. Over the better part of the past decade, they had given her a level of resources and freedom that she had literally not thought possible before. More importantly than just materials and lab space, however, the usual legal and ethical restraints were brushed away like cobwebs or bad memories. Human Resources and the Board of Ethics could write all the strongly worded letters they wanted, but... Nothing would ever come of it. They wouldn't dare. The one man who did start to really raise a stink was relocated. That's what everyone was told, and that's what everyone agreed had really happened. Still, she knew what the Adarak was here to talk about, and this called for caution. She comforted herself in that there wasn't anything he could do to change things, not really, anyway. He had a power and money, sure, but Dr. Hope Clarkson herself was irreplaceable, and she knew it, goddammit. She knew it better than anyone. As Hope and the Adorac stared at each other for a long moment, Sarah got the intense desire to disappear. When she walked away, Hope dismissed her from her mental picture of the observation room. It was just her and the old man. You wanted to talk, Hope asked, her words high and tinny in her ears. The Adorak considered his words for a moment before replying. It has come to my attention that you have... modified the experiment. Yes, I have. Unacceptable. It's necessary, Hope said, waving her hand as if shooing away a fly. The experiment got approval for human trials, for goodness sake. I approved it for human trials with the understanding that human means people who are not directly leading our research team. Tell me how many people you need for a good sample size, and I will have them here in an hour. That won't matter, Hope said, not quite looking at the man's face. Hear me out, she said interrupting him before he could say anything. Adorak was silent for a moment, apparently surprised that someone had dared to interrupt him, but he gave the barest of nods, so hope continued. "'In order to get a tome to work, you need to pair it with the correct person, right?' "'So,' To make ours work, we had to pair it with someone to set the BAI, allowing it to manifest its disruptions in the real world rather than just the metaphorical. The Adorac just stared at her. Pretend for a minute that I do not have the same intimacy with the tomes as you, and please explain what a BAI is. Hope ran a hand over her face, thinking for a minute behind the protection of her closed eyelids. It was easier to think when she didn't have to concentrate on not seeing Adorak's face at the same time. BAI is baseline area of interaction. It's what determines the genre of a tome. Will it be kinetic or elemental? Prognostication or technological? All tomes can be anything, but it's when they attune themselves with the right person that its genre is decided. Like stem cells, the Adorak said. Exactly, Hope said. In order to make this thing work, we had to bind it to a person. And that person just happens to be you. Why did you think this was your call to make? It was the only call to make, Hope replied. Who else could you possibly trust with this? The Adorak stared at her for a moment, his unsettling gaze bearing into her. Very well, Dr. Clarkson, he said, eyes unblinking, as if his body just forgot that was something that it needed to do. But from now on, you are to use our volunteers for this kind of thing. Otherwise, your methods may be less unquestionable, under more scrutiny. I understand. Hope responded, pausing for a minute before continuing. I need to get back out there. Sarah, make sure all the Membanks are backing up our data, for goodness sake. You got it, boss, Sarah said, without turning around, her eyes glued to several monitors at once. She did flinch, slightly, when the Adorak walked over and stood at her shoulder, his wide, shining eyes watching everything she was doing. The silence in the observation room was so incredibly awkward that, despite her better judgment, she opened her mouth and talked. "'Did you have any questions about our setup?' she asked. The Adorak made a ponderous, humming sound before answering. "'No. Do what you would normally do. I'm just here to see the return in my investment.' Hope was thankful her fingers did not tremble as she lifted the knot tome off the table. The leather cover, its former title removed molecule by painstaking molecule, was as smooth as a baby's back. She half expected it to feel warm to the touch, like flesh. It was small, smaller than any real tome would be. Hope was able to hold the whole thing in the palm of her hand but for some reason she and her team still couldn't figure out. It weighed twice what it should have, considering the volume of paper used in its construction. Without removing it from the table, Hope used her pointer and index fingers to open the amalgamation, careful not to crease the spine or let too much of her skin come into contact with it at once. She wanted to be wearing gloves, but Something about the skin contact brought the regular tomes to life. One had to assume it would be the same for this creation. The pages lay open before her like spread legs, or the parted lips of an open, accusing mouth. Hope waited, half bracing herself to sprint like a madwoman to the exit, but nothing happened. The amalgamation is open, Hope said into the air confident in the room's ability to pick up her voice on its hidden microphones and send the message at the speed of light to the observation room. Starting the test now. I will begin by reading the first disruption, waiting for your go-ahead to start. The feed is active, audio and visuals are coming through clear, Sarah's voice answered, the room's speakers making it sound as though the woman were standing right next to Hope. The canceled test measures are all in the green, Good to go, Doctor. Start at your leisure. Hope allowed her eyes to rest on the page, gingerly building up the strength to focus on one of the disruptions out of the dozens of pages. It was like trying to look into a particularly bright light, the letters overlapping and distorting in her vision, like shadows projected into her mind. As she read, however, something changed the unclenching of a muscle, the feeling of an icicle suddenly melting in the blaze of summer sun. Hope's eyes watered as the disruptions shimmered, pulsed, and came into focus. Inside the observation room, Sarah watched as the monitors displayed nothing other than the doctor standing in front of the table, her two long, piercing fingers holding the amalgamation open. "'I can read it,' Hope said, her voice trying to be casual but failing. Inside, she felt like exploding into confetti and fireworks. All Hope could do was stand and stare as the words presented themselves to her like rows of flowers. "'Oh,' she thought. "'That's what these old towners see when they use one of these.' "'Why are you hesitating?' Sarah's voice asked." Is something wrong? Just basking in achievement, Hope responded, her tone a tad more accusatory than she had meant it to be. She closed her eyes, trying to bring back the feeling of success, of stamping on the proverbial peak of Everest. But the moment had passed, and there was no point in waiting any longer. With nothing else to delay or distract her, Clarkson spoke— the first disruption. The sound of rushing wind came and filled the room, blossoming out of her throat and mouth as she spoke the words. Sarah felt a nervous joy building inside of her as she watched the doctor read from their amalgamation. She kept her eyes open for any change in the objects on the table, each one designed to be interacted with by a different genre of tome. She was so busy focusing in on the screen that showed the infrared inside of the room that she jumped when the Atarak spoke. What are those things? The Atarak asked, his too many jointed fingers pointing at the freed, displaying magnetic lines. Lines invisible to the naked eye rose from the tome, wrapping themselves around Clarkson like veins or roots. Thousands of them, each as thin as a strand of hair, winding and constricting the doctor, who stood oblivious to them. I have no idea, Sarah said. I've never seen them before in my life. Hope was in heaven. As she spoke the disruption, she watched each object waiting to see what the amalgamation decided it was. There, the baseball, which had been sitting inert on the table, began to move. A twitch, a half-roll, and finally complete levitation off the table. As this happened, Hope watched the page with dry lips, keeping an eye on the disruption she had just read. Some time passed, and... Unlike its tome counterparts, the ink did not fade or go up in a cloud of smoke. Realizing this, Hope felt the tension in her shoulders disappear, and she exhaled a breath that she hadn't been aware she was holding. Hope tried to tell the others, to say that it was a success and that they had finally made a working amalgamation, but the muscles in her jaw tightened to the point of cramping each time she tried to open her mouth. The sound of distant gunshots echoed around the room as, against her will, she read the second disruption on the page. Sarah and the Adorak watched in stunned silence as Hope read off the next disruption, and more of those tendrils exploded from the amalgamation. There were so many of them now, they moved more like a weather front or a mist. Every other object on the table rose into the air, along with the baseball, and started doing circuits around the testing chamber. Some quick mental calculations allowed Sarah to estimate their speed at being close to that of a race car. Easy there, doctor, Sarah said, talking more to give her brain something to do other than panic. We've got enough data points for now. You can put that tome away. Hope heard Sarah's voice as if from a long way off. She was not sure when she had picked up the amalgamation, but there it was in her hand. and There was Sarah's voice again. Doctor, put it down. Hope tried to let the amalgamation go, to stop speaking the disruptions, but she couldn't. Her fingers wouldn't move. She could feel the tendons pooling to the point of pain as her brain sent signals that her body just wouldn't listen to. Hope's readings sped up, her throat producing sounds from Tchaikovsky's worst fever dreams, and the room began to darken. At first, Hope thought she was just blacking out from not getting enough oxygen, but then she saw them. The tendrils snapped into clarity the same way the disruptions had. They covered everything in the room, hundreds of thousands of them, like an ocean of spider silk. Hope saw something in the room with her. A thing in the shape of a human, but larger and blurry? A smudge on reality. She watched it through watering eyes as one of its limbs stretched out, touching her shoulder. There was no pain, not at first. But then she started to scream. Sarah stood from her chair and started to run to the door, but the Adorak was fast and strong, his large hand, twice the size of a normal man's, wrapped its finger around her shoulder and dug in hard enough that she yelped in pain. Don't go out there. He said, voice still rasping. Sarah could do nothing but watch as Hope's body melted and went through something like spaghettification. Her torso elongated, limbs twisting into impossible directions as they bifurcated, impossible fractals of arms and fingers. Her eyes had turned into something that looked like a river floating in midair, and the smell of pan-fried spam filled the observation room. Sarah wrenched her eyes away from the monitors, slamming her palm into the large, caution-orange button on the wall. In the testing chamber, hundreds of little electrodes hidden under the floor came to life, sending 30,000 volts dancing across everything in the room. On the monitor, Hope's body popped back into place all at once, like a magic picture sliding into focus. Still clutching the amalgamation, her reassembled form tilted and fell, slamming her face first into the floor. Sarah held the button down for a fifteen count before releasing it. The tendrils were gone, the room empty on all monitors. Medical staff entered the room within thirty seconds of Clarkson's collapse. They had pried the amalgamation out of her hands and used tongs to place it back on the table. They put her on a gurney and wheeled her out of the room. Helplessness and worry tied knots in Sarah's stomach. The Adorac stood next to her. They were alone with the amalgamation. Where before it had seemed like a miracle, now it menaced like a caged dog who had just tasted blood and was hungry for more. Sarah couldn't take her eyes off of it, afraid the thing might suddenly leap towards her. "'I'm sorry you had to see that,' the Adorak said, his odd, bowstring voice calling her back into reality. "'Are you sorry it happened?' Sarah asked before she could stop herself. "'I'd hate to lose her,' the Adorak said. All that time, research, and money invested for nothing. The atorak looked at her, his unsettling face focusing and unfocusing Sarah's vision. She started to feel nauseous, so she looked away. He smiled, and his mouth had too many teeth. Sarah fought back an angry comment. They had just watched a woman turn inside out in every conceivable wavelength on the spectrum and all he could do was make jokes and worry about how much he's invested. Analyze the data. Sarah walked back to the observation room to do just what he said. Despite the sick knot in the pit of her stomach tightening with each step, she was determined to at least start her work. The room was behind a locked door and filled with the steady beep of a heart monitor. Hope lay on her back, eyes closed, body stiff as a board, but otherwise healthy. Weirdly so. If it wasn't for the fact that each of her joints were locked straight like planks of wood, Gregor Adorak would have thought she was sleeping. He sat in a blue cushioned chair next to the bed, his inhumanly long frame seeming to perch like a titanic species of bird on the edge. One of his long fingered hands held Clarkson's, the other held his tome. He stroked its spine with an index finger, absent mindedly. I'm sorry you went through all that, he said, unsure of what else to say. He paused a minute before continuing, lowering his head so his mouth was closer to her ear. You're the best we have. You're all we have, to be honest. Without you. Gregor trailed off again. He wished his brother Felix was the one to do this. Well-dressed, sized, and shaped like a normal human despite everything else they were everything that they had become over the long centuries. But Gregor's tome had more disruptions in it, so it was his turn, regardless of the fact that being around humans set his teeth on edge. At least this one was unconscious. I wouldn't normally offer this, but I can fix you. He held up the tome like a child at show-and-tell. But... If I do, it will cost both of us. I will be down one disruption, of course, but you will, uh, have to pay more. We cannot afford to wait or spend the resources it would take to maintain an unresponsive body. Gregor sat for a few moments, waiting. Hope's eyes were still closed, her breathing assisted by one of the machines in the room. One minute passed, two, then Hope's fingers slowly squeezed the man's hand. It wasn't a tight grip, and some might have seen it as an involuntary reaction, but Gregor Adorak understood. He felt the intent in her fingers, as though she had just spoken the words out loud. Gregor opened his tome to the last handful of pages and began to read. Deep inside her own mind, Clarkson felt her body's parts start knitting together, the broken once again becoming whole. Hey everyone, this is Michael Ostis, author of Novel Magics. Thank you very much for listening. New episodes come out the first Sunday of every month, so feel free to come by next time as well. Big news, we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Over the next few weeks, this show will be on even more podcasting platforms. You can find us by searching Novel Magics on any one of these. Thank you again for listening so, so much, and I hope to see you next time. Please stay safe out there. Novel Magics is an original story written, recorded, and produced by Michael K. Ostis.